Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different because life has been very hectic lately, or like the last, I don't know, like one year plus. There's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I just haven't been able to or haven't wanted to share or haven't been ready to share. And now I'm kind of feeling ready to share it because like... The podcast for me in a lot of ways is pretty cathartic. It allows me to talk about stuff from my past that has hurt me or that I've been ashamed about and share it with people who might be experiencing similar feelings or similar situations or who have gone through similar things. Um, But it also just allows me to have like a sounding board where I can verbalize feelings that I otherwise may not share. So that's kind of been special for me because it allows me to share things that are cathartic to kind of release and then it also hopefully allows me to reach other people who may need to hear someone else saying those things so that they can come to terms with stuff that they might be going through and it is just kind of refreshing and relieving to be able to share that. I think that the podcast allows people to get to know me as a person a lot better than any of my other platforms. And I think that's partly why I like the podcast so much, because I feel like it's one of the most clear views of my authentic self that doesn't necessarily get seen on other social platforms, because people will only see the content that blows up and gets popular, or they'll only watch the parts of the videos that they actually want to see. Um, Sometimes people only follow my content just to post mean comments and to kind of hate follow me. And they aren't necessarily looking to actually get to know me as a person. They've kind of already decided who I am. And on those other social medias, I oftentimes feel like a product rather than a person because people degrade my sense of being to only being what they watch of me on social media. It doesn't matter if something they watched was like five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. It doesn't matter if they've only watched like a handful of my videos about very specific topics. They start to paint my entire character and being as just what they have personally witnessed of me. And I understand that that's how things work because that's all they've seen of me. But what it results in is people treating me in a way, in whatever way their perception has been painted of me, which oftentimes doesn't actually involve the true aspects of my character. It just involves the videos that I've posted that triggered them, um, and created a reaction and then they oftentimes have no desire to actually get to know my views on things or me as a person before coming to conclusions on how they feel I am and that can be pretty hurtful and it's also really frustrating because I think that I do have a good idea of who I am what I stand for and I think that I do spend a lot of time expressing that online and like sharing my views and advocating for things that I believe in but people don't necessarily have the time to actually see that because those are the videos that typically don't get shared as much or aren't as popular because controversial topics um, aren't often ones that people want to engage in or the ones that really do blow up are often full of like vitriolic comments and people who don't necessarily want to understand the nuance in a situation so it leads to a lot of um, cruelty directed my way that oftentimes paints my character as being something that I don't believe it is, but people will make hard and fast statements about me as a person online as if they know who I am, like what my intentions are, and they'll make claims about why I do things the way I do simply off of their opinion of it, not off of like what I have actually done online. And 
that can be really frustrating. And I guess right now it's been bothering me more than what it might typically because of all the other stuff that I've been dealing with in life, which I'm going to go into. But that that's a really long intro. But basically, this is going to be a life update and just talking about some of the stuff I've been working on, what I've been going through the last year, um, and just sharing some of that because I feel like I haven't actually been myself for quite some time and that I've kind of either been like diluting myself and not expressing everything that I would want to or that I might have been like hyper reactive in certain instances because I've been bothered by other things so I wanted to go into talking about that in hopes that it might resonate with people who are going through similar transitional periods in their life but anyways before we get there I of course need to plug my other stuff because your girls gotta make money <laughs> um, so I have a bunch of sales going on in my store right now 30 extra 30 percent off of all of the Dallas lunging bridles until we get the new version in um, we're just adding another ring on the cavasson so that's really the only change but the bridles are discounted to $140 Canadian plus an additional 30 percent off of that so it's a really great sale if you're looking for that they're multi-bridles so you can ride in them bitted and or bitless which is really great um so i recommend checking those out also all of the rose gold bridles in my store are 30 percent off uh, as well and then i also have an extra 25 percent off of all clearance items which are already heavily discounted i'm just looking out to clear product out and make more space for new stuff that's coming in so my loss is your gain you can check all that out at the link um, in the description of this podcast or at shop milestone ec shop milestone eq.com all of those discounts are auto applied at checkout so you don't need to punch in a code or anything and if you're american the canadian dollar is lower so you'll save an additional 25 to 30 percent on the low canadian dollar as well um so it'll be an even more screaming deal for you and we ship worldwide so yay anyways the other thing that I wanted to note is that I also have a Patreon channel where I post tutorials, do Q&As, post behind the scenes stuff, and that's a really great way to support what I do and like support the podcast and my other endeavors. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month. I just bumped up the tiers a little bit, so that's $3 Canadian, so it'll be less for Americans again. And then there's different tiers depending on what type of content you want to access. Certain tiers will give you access to all of the tutorials and whatnot, and you can access all of that for less than $10 Canadian. Canadian per month um, and it's just a great way to help support my brand and what I do and help me continue with uh, developing my brand and some of the other initiatives that I've been working on behind the scenes you can do that at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sd equus s-d-e-q-u-u-s or down in the link in, the, in my bio I also have my website um, with webinars and other types of training footage. I just released a three-plus-hour uh, clip of my clinic that I did locally. Uh, it's a positive reinforcement clinic where we did lots of desensitization with different types of horses who had complex behavioral issues and um, lots of stress. So it was just showing like the slow process that I introduced to horses who have stress uh, in order to try to not incite big stress responses and to try to create improvement in their behavior so that's also purchasable on my website milestoneequestrian.ca if you go to the shop training help um, page you can check that out and then there's also webinars that I've hosted there's several of them that you can um, get and then I also have a clinic coming up in Princeton BC that you can audit audit spots are still open horse 
spots are now closed. That's coming up in two weeks, so I hope to see some of you there. For those of you who cannot attend live as an auditor, I'm also going to be trying to get the clinic footage so that I can also sell that to people who are interested after. I am going to be bringing a couple of my horses to this clinic as well. I'm going to definitely be bringing Milo and then either Pistachio or Banksy. Right now, I'll probably be leaning towards Pistachio because my mom is coming with me and he's been pretty good for her so she can ride him and we're planning on going trail riding. Um, but we'll kind of see how it goes in the coming weeks and I'm going to just make my decision whenever. So that's coming up and that's really exciting. Also, super exciting, I got invited to speak at a horse welfare conference in Paris, France in September. So that's the next big project that I'm working on trying to make possible because it's expensive to travel and then I also have lots of animals to make sure that I have the care um, set up for while I'm away. So I'm doing some fundraising initiatives for that as well where I'm offering like ads on my website, behave mini behavioral consults, training questions where you can ask like a specific training question for your horse and seek like advice for like five dollars minimum donation per question or a behavior consult for 15 minutes minimum 30 35 dollar donation. Again, these are all in Canadian dollars, so Americans would save money on that. And then the ad spots just depend on the length of the spot and where you want me to post it. I'm also offering shout-outs on Instagram um, and YouTube as well for donations. Or if you're just interested in donating, you can go to the paypal.me slash milestone equestrian, also linked down below in the description. But I'm just looking to do some fundraising initiatives to help make the trip a little bit more possible and less stressful for myself because I have so much stuff on the go. Um, and it's going to be a little hectic to work all that out. So I'm also going to be hosting a fundraiser locally, like an open house. So for anyone who is interested and is in the area or is in a drivable distance, as soon as I have the date for that, I'll announce it. And I would love to see you all there, um, and come on by. So yeah, that's what I've been working on and I'm really excited. Um, before we get into like some of the less exciting and kind of sad stuff that I've been dealing with, I just wanted to share that yesterday was the launch date for a welfare campaign that I've been working on for months alongside some other really fantastic organizations. We founded um, an equine welfare organization called the Alliance for Horse Welfare and Sport. And I'm super excited about this because it's like a passion project for me. And it's something that I have been waiting to be able to share for months now because um, we weren't able to talk about it before the launch date, but I'm super, super excited about it because it's something that's really close to my heart. I think it's such an important initiative and I'm really hoping to bring meaningful change with that. So basically the purpose of the Alliance for Horse Welfare and Sport is to push for change, um, specifically at the 2024 Olympics to start because the 2020 Tokyo Olympics highlighted a lot of poor horsemanship and we want to make the Paris 2024 Olympics, the Horse Welfare Olympics to paint the horse world in a different light and improve on all of the things that were made internationally visible um, through the media. And so we've created a petition um, that we're going to present to the FEI, and we have 46 welfare recommendations that we're also going to be presenting to the FEI in hopes of them adopting all or some of them. And so uh, I'll link the petition in the description of this podcast as well. And you can also check out the Alliance for Horse Welfare and Sport on Facebook, or we're on Instagram as Unite for Horses, and also on TikTok, the Alliance for Horse Welfare. 
Um, all of those I'll link below. Um, there'll be a link tree that'll have all of the stuff um, associated with that. We're already at 1,300 signatures on the petition in one day, which is incredibly exciting. So thank you so much to everyone who has supported this. But this is far from over. Our goal is to get to like at least a million signatures, which is a tall order. So what we'll really be reliant on is a lot of people pitching in to help share, spread the word, and just continue to create um, buzz about this whole thing because it can't just be like a one-day thing. We need to be loud and continue to be loud about this. Otherwise, there's not going to be any incentive for these powerful organizations to change. We've also released a campaign magazine that has the entire list of the 46 recommendations and goes into detail on the evidence supporting the need for those recommendations, so studies and more. We have some pretty big people who have endorsed the campaign, including like veterinarians, other types of equine welfare organizations, and more, which is really exciting. And the alliance consists of um, some independent and inter international equestrian organizations, including Equitopia, Epona TV, Horses and People, me, Milestone Equestrian, Concordia Equestrian, the Collectif Pour Les Chevaux, which is a French equine welfare group, and Sassabi. Um, so those are all really great organizations. And then we have a bunch of brands and organizations who have also publicly endorsed and supported us, which is super, super exciting. So basically, the goal for this campaign is to improve horse welfare worldwide. It's going to go far beyond the Paris Olympics. That's just going to be the start because that's going to be when horse sports are most globally viewed because um, that's when we get the most press. The Olympics brings eyes on our sport in a way that we don't really see on a year-round basis otherwise. So that's why we're starting there. And then the hope is that from there, we can start to create more change in equestrian competition globally. Uh, so... Your support is much appreciated. I recommend checking out the magazine and the 46 recommendations. I would say like all of them are very, very doable and very reasonable, but like with how little change the horse industry has seen over time, there's definitely going to be some pushback and discomfort with the idea of enforcing such regulations. But with that said, like I think it'll bring meaningful change for the horses first and foremost, but also for riders because there's a lot of risk to rider safety with the more stressed horses are. So we really need to work on welfare and improving horse comfort and horse well-being in sport because everyone seeks to benefit from it. And I would just really like to see change. And like, if I can be part of even just bringing more eyes onto the issues in the horse world, I'm happy with that. And I'd rather try to just do what I can. Like, I've had people tell me, oh, there's no point. Petitions don't do anything. And it's like, they might not, but at the very least, it's pressuring a big organization to change. And realistically, the only thing that's going to pressure the FEI to make necessary changes to their rule book and actually start to properly enforce the claims that they make in their rule book will be pressure from the outside. And you don't need to be a horse person for this to be helpful. Like people in the dog world, people who don't even have animals, anyone worldwide can be part of this movement. It doesn't matter if you're in or out of the horse world, your voice still matters. And the only way we'll be able to make changes with these big, powerful, multi-billion dollar organizations is by pressuring them, getting loud and getting a lot of eyes and ears on the movement. So I really, really hope to see some of you guys getting involved in the movement and joining us and just um, 
helping spread the word because this is going to be a long-term project, but we really just need to create a lot of visibility in the first starting stages of this campaign to really make it work. So if you have any type of platform, even if it's your private Facebook that you just share with friends, it is so appreciated if you'd like share the petition, share the campaign magazine, like and follow some of our posts on like TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, share some of those posts, comment on them, just help boost the post. Every Everything helps and we're hoping to bring meaningful change to the industry it's any improvement at this point is great like I would be happy to see any of the welfare recommend recommendations adopted and if all of them were that's fantastic but honestly any step forward is a win in my opinion because it's making a positive change either way even if it's first a small step forward so that's what I've been really busy working on the last few months and it's been very stressful to kind of do that alongside all of the other stuff that I'm dealing with because I'm, I'm the one that like runs all of my socials. I get very little help with like staying up to date on like emails, my TikTok, my YouTube, my Instagram, my website page, um, updating the shop, shipping and packing packages. Like all of the aspects of my business mostly fall to me right now. And I'm trying to get to the point where I can hire someone else to come help me. But honestly, like I'm a little jaded about that because I've just had some bad experiences where I've felt left down or things haven't gotten done properly or the horses have been at risk or there's been stuff that has made things more difficult for me. So I've started to just be like hyper independent to my own detriment um, for my personal and mental health. And I'm trying to work towards changing that, but I'm not quite ready to completely let go of the reins yet. So um, that's just also something to share is that like with my business, it's such a small business that like I cannot generally provide the level of like prompt, quick customer service that like big organizations like Greenhawk, et cetera, or Dover can because they have way more employees. And even some smaller businesses, like even if they only have one or two employees, if they're not running as many different avenues of their business as I am, it's easier to manage. And also I have ADHD, so that also complicates things a little bit. Um, but it's a learning experience for me and it's been quite stressful to kind of manage that alongside all of my other stuff because like I said earlier in this podcast, I think a lot of people just view me as like a product and like what I put out online and they don't necessarily have the capacity to consider what could be going on in my life outside of what I portray online that may make doing things online more difficult for me. And that's something that I've been guilty of myself because like when you're just talking to people online or like talking to businesses, you don't really think about the person behind um, the face of their business and what they could potentially be going through and what stuff might make it harder for them to respond to things or might change how they respond to things. It's really easy to kind of disassociate from that. And it's something I'm trying to be more conscious of because like I know for myself that it's something that I found that's hard to deal with because I don't think that I'm viewed as as much of a person since I've gotten more into business and being like perceived as an influencer and it does make it harder to kind of cope with hard things that are going on in life because I have to cope with like the trauma and pain from that alongside people either commenting mean things on my socials or um, dealing with customers who are upset with me for whatever reason, be it like taking too long to reply to an email um, 
or having there be a mistake in an order. And, you know, like, like, and I get the frustration. I really do. But it's also like, we're all just, we're only human. Um, sometimes I misread things and I might accidentally send the wrong size or something. But again, it's, it's me packing all of these packages alongside dealing with these other extenuating circumstances in my life. And that's not an excuse because I should still be getting things right. But sometimes it clouds my ability to work at the level that I'm capable of because I'm dealing with so many other removing parts in my life that are causing me a lot of grief. Um, so I guess before like we go into the bigger things, like I just wanted to share like, yeah, working on the welfare conference and doing that stuff because that's really exciting for me. And that's been something that I've been super excited about these last few months, but I haven't been able to share it. Um, and it's cool that it's finally come to fruition where I can share it. Uh, but more so like, I, I've been struggling lately, like full disclosure, like for the last while. And like, even before I realized I was struggling, I was starting to struggle and like lose parts of myself in ways that I didn't realize. Um, and it's hard for me to talk about because like, I don't like, like I know that I have every right to share my feelings and how I experience life events, but when they involve other people, it feels hard. And I have like a tendency to want to protect those other people and not talk about it. But at the same time, it's my right to share my experience. And, um, so I'm going to do that. Um, but for those of you who don't know, um, my boyfriend and I broke up a few weeks ago. It was a, honestly a long time coming. It should have happened a long time ago. That's not like a jab at him or anything. It just was not a healthy relationship. And I had more context of what a healthy relationship should look like because I've had more relationship experience. I was his first girlfriend since high school. So I think he just like was not at all ready for what I wanted and what I was looking for because I know what I want in life. I know where I want to head and I know what I'm looking for in a partner. Um, and I don't think he was ready for that. And I think the lack of readiness ended up causing him to hurt me repeatedly in ways that I wanted to forgive and accept because I really, really wanted him to be the person that I'd initially thought that he was and that I wanted to believe. Um, but I also signed up to have myself repeatedly hurt by not instilling enough boundaries and not like putting my foot down and I let myself to continue to be treated in a way that I should not have accepted and I think it was also to the fault of his own because if I hadn't enabled those things it might have been a better learning experience for him to know to not do that so I feel like I participated in enabling behaviors that weren't becoming for him. Um, and I know I've shared a lot about him online and that he's like been in my videos and stuff. And like from the videos, it probably looks all fine and dandy, but like, I'm not going to like video our fights and like post those in vlogs and stuff. And I really, really wanted our relationship to be healthy. So like when things were feeling good or when good events would happen, I'd want to like grasp onto those with all of my might because that's how I wanted things to be all the time. But like now that I've had the space to be away from it, I'm looking at like, how often things weren't okay and the amount of like wear and tear that the fighting and the hurt took on my mental health was like way more substantial than what I was ready to admit for a long time. I like had moments of like intense depression where like I couldn't get up and do stuff for work and where I'd just be sitting in my bed all day and I'd have no motivation to go do anything or to go take care of the animals and go do things that I needed to do because I was just so hurt by things that had happened and fights that we had had and feeling like he didn't care 
care about my feelings or like I didn't matter. And it resulted in me not being able to do the work that I needed to do. And then also started to make me feel really, really bad about myself and like really damaged my self-esteem. And we were almost together for two years, which was like, again, a mistake on my part. I shouldn't have stayed around that long. I should have known better, but I just really wanted to believe that he was the person that I thought he was. And this isn't going to be like a smear campaign on him or anything. I do not think that he's like a genuinely bad person or anything, but I do feel like he kind of fell in love with the idea of me or he liked the idea of me rather than like who I actually was as a person because like he knew who I was before we dated. Um, and I also knew who he was, but I guess that he'd liked me for a while or thought that I was like beautiful or whatever. And naturally when you feel that way about someone, you create like an idea of them in your head. And I don't think I could have ever, um, like met up with those expectations that were created over time. And I ended up being like a lot different than what he thought I would was. And I think that might've been a, fr a source of frustration. And like initially in the, when the relationship was starting, like it, he told me everything I needed to hear and it like seemed perfect. And that's kind of what I held on to for so long was that original feeling, even though like the patterns of stuff wasn't that way. And there was a lot of stuff that was kind of going back on things that I was initially told, but I held on to like that initial feeling of like things being perfect and feeling like truly heard for the first little bit, um, until I wasn't being heard at all. And I stayed way too long because of that. Like that this breakup is like different than my last one that I've talked about in a different podcast, like almost two years ago now. Um, or yeah, two years ago now. Um, and like with that ex, it was just that we saw different futures and I was still upset with the situation because he didn't want to live on a farm and he'd known the entirety of our relationship that that's like what my goal was. And he wasn't really honest about his reservations and then kind of blindsided me with them. And that was really upsetting to me because I felt that it was a conversation that we could have had a long time ago and that we could have kind of talked about over the period of like a few days or months and come to a way easier resolution for. Um, this situation was one where like I finally hit a wall where I was just really, really frustrated with stuff that kept happening. And like, he wasn't understanding me and he didn't see like truly see why I was upset about certain things and just wasn't getting it. And it was also really hard to get apologies and like feel heard. I started feeling like my feelings were an inconvenience and that the only way that I could avoid fighting is just by shoving my feelings down and not being upset by things that I found deeply hurtful. And it was taking like an immense mental toll on me. Like I think I lost pieces of myself um, for periods of time because I wanted to not create conflict, but at the same time, then I was having to just be hurt by things and not being able to voice how it hurt me or not feeling like it mattered to him. Um, and like in sharing this, I don't want anyone to like go bother him or say mean things or shame him or anything, because I think that the, the entire gist of this is just like a lack of relationship maturity and him not being able to admit that he wasn't ready for like the serious relationship that I was looking for and wasn't able to commit to that because like basically all of the problems that I had with the relationships and the vast majority of the fights we had were surrounded by me feeling like I came secondary to him going out and partying with his friends. I've already gotten through like my party person stage like a long time ago because I had to start working really hard to build my business and I started working really early hours at the racetrack and I could no longer go out with my friends in the same way that I did in high school in my early 20s. So it's something that I'm very comfortable with 
letting go and that I've gotten over, but clearly he wasn't. And there was, like, numerous times where, for example, like, I'd host, like, a barbecue party that I'd book in advance. He'd be invited. I'd invite all of his friends. And then if one of his friends planned something the same day, he would bail on my thing and go there even when he said that he wouldn't do that. And stuff like that, like, for a one-off thing, like, I'm a pretty easygoing person and I can let it go. But then it just kept repeatedly happening and I kept feeling like I was always secondary to the friends in his life. And it really impacted my self-esteem because I just couldn't understand, like, why... I didn't matter. And when I would bring that up and say, like, I feel like your friends come first, I would get, like, anger in return um, and basically told that I was, like, overreacting or that it's unfair for me to keep comparing myself to his friends. But now that I have a different perspective, I look at it and it's like, I wouldn't have need to draw that comparison if I wasn't, like, deliberately being, like, put aside for his friends. And, like, there's some things that I've shared online, like, from stuff that we've done and, like, trips that we've done that, like, again, in practice look, like, beautiful and amazing and great, um, but weren't actually that. Like, the trip that I took to the Kootenays last summer when we took a road trip, for a lot of the trip, it was great and we had a lot of fun, but near the end of the trip, I was uh, pressured to leave the trip earlier than what I wanted to because I wanted to do some more stops in, like, Banff and Golden and um, stop at some of these nice places on the way home and kind of take my time. And I was going to do the trip alone if he didn't want to come. Like, I was okay with going alone and just going to visit my friend Amy. Um, but yeah, he came and then he said that he needed to leave the trip to go for, like, go to an engagement party. This is ironic when you hear the full story. Um, and that it was really important that he couldn't miss it. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll leave. If it's that important, that's fine. So, like, we drove, like, nine, ten hours straight to get him back in time for this engagement party and just, like, blew through the last few few places that I wanted to visit, which was disappointing to me because I really did want to do that. And I don't get to vacation very often with how busy I am, so it's, like, a very, like, kind of sacred thing to me when I do get to have that time. But anyways, we got home and I dropped him off at his house and then, like, the plan was to, like, go home and get ourselves ready at our own houses and then go to this party together, this engagement party. And, like, right, like, an hour before I was supposed to be driving to meet him and I text him to say that I'm, like, about to leave, he's like, oh, I'm going to the cabin with the boys and, like, just ditched the engagement party, left left me with all of the stuff from our trip, including, like, the cooler and stuff to unpack and then just, like, left to go to the cabin and then couldn't understand why I was mad. He called me a spoiled brat um, for saying that I was disappointed about leaving the trip early and was like, you could just go back there a different time. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But it was like my trip that I planned for myself. And like, you could also go to the cabin a different time. Like they've already gone several times that year. So I was just kind of like, okay. Um, all right. And that was like a big fight and blowout. And it took a very long time to actually get a legitimate apology and get a retraction of being called a spoiled brat because like, I know I wasn't being a spoiled brat. It was a trip that was important to me and that I wanted to do. And the fact that it clearly wasn't important to him doesn't mean that it's unreasonable for me to have something that I wanted to do and spend my time on. I earned that trip. I worked hard for it. I took time off and it meant it mattered to me. And to have someone that I really, really loved and cared for and thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life with treat me like that was, like, like exceptionally hurtful. And, like, all I wanted was, like, for him to care and show that he cared. And I was just, like, basically grasping at breadcrumbs so many times over and over again to, like, feel cared for and loved and appreciated. And, like, the few times where I would be made to feel that way, it felt amazing because I felt like I was getting deprived of that the the other times. And... 
it's a really crappy feeling because like when I love, like I love hard, like I don't let a lot of people closely into my inner circle and it's really hard for me to trust people. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm so willing to keep trying and staying because like the idea of trying to like start over and have to trust someone else is really scary to me. I don't trust very easily. I've had a lot of negative experiences with um, getting close to people and then having that trust shattered or, um, like just being made to feel uncomfortable or hurt by people. So it's, it's something that's hard for me. And to be repeatedly hurt over and over again like this was something that damaged me more than I was willing to recognize because I just so badly just wanted to only see the good in him. And I didn't really want to come to terms with the fact that like maybe he just didn't care about the things that I did or maybe he just wasn't in the position where he could give to me the things that I was looking for. And like, I know when sharing this, especially with, like, the ladies that listens to the podcast, like, they'll kind of know where I'm coming for more, because, like, guys might be more willing to justify his behavior, um, but I don't want, like, I don't want to, this to paint him in a bad light, because I also don't think that people stay the same. Like, I, I know that he has it in him to be a better partner than he was to me if he chooses to. But that's the thing is he needs to choose to personally grow and change. And I really, really hope that he does that. And I wish the best for him because I would like to see him be happy. And um, I would really, really like to see him in a healthy relationship whenever he is ready to do so. But like there, there's changes that need to be made because like I wanted so badly to believe that I was the problem. Like, cause if I'm the problem, I have confidence in my ability to work on my own behavior and make needed changes. So if I'm the problem, as far as I'm concerned, that's an easier fix because I can just work on myself. So I desperately wanted to believe that I'm the problem. And like when he would frame it in the way that I was, I was like asking like friends, like my therapist like I even commented on like reddit threads anonymously trying to see like am I being crazy here like am I being unreasonable is are my expectations off like am I the problem here and like if so what can I do to fix it and like even when I got confirmation from other people that like I wasn't the one that was being difficult all of these times and obviously it's written through my perspective so there's a certain level of bias there for sure but still like I I still wanted to believe that I was the problem I didn't want to believe the warnings that like my friends my mom my family were giving me about these things because I just really wanted to see the best in him and like I thought that he was like the one like when we first fell in love I thought like I was like oh my god this is gonna be the dude that I marry and I like I really fucking believed that and when it starts to not be that way you kind of want to hold on and like I held on for way longer than I should have and I feel pretty stupid about that now um but I just really, I really believed that there was the potential there to bring needed change and to make it a healthier relationship. And I wanted to try really hard, but it's impossible to have good communication if only one side of the partnership is willing to try to do it. And I don't feel like it was being reciprocated in the way that it needed to be. And it was just really, really hurtful. So I've repeatedly found myself in these situations where I felt like my emotions were being like feeling like a burden to him and like, like feeling like anytime I felt sad that it just angered and upset him. And then that obviously made me more sad. And these types of situations where I ended up feeling blown off or like my plans and like my goals and my dreams or like what, like my feelings didn't matter. They happened on a very repeated basis. Like even within like the last like four or five months, like there's been 
several fights that I can name that we've had were like has ended in me like sobbing and then just like feeling like okay like how can you turn your emotions off like this like how can you get mad at someone and then just like suddenly stop caring about their feelings because like I know for me like I couldn't look at someone that I love like sobbing and just not care and or like not even not care but like behave like I don't care and that's how I was being made to feel like I I felt like I was getting like deprived of love and like I was so desperate to get it that I just kept trying and trying and trying and it was to no avail um and like I can't stress enough that this is not trying to say that he's a bad person. It's just that he wasn't the person for me and like he couldn't give me what I was looking for in a serious relationship. Like in a casual relationship, prioritizing friends and not having plans with your partner be as important might not bother people as much, but like I wanted to feel like I was important and like an addition to someone's life that they cherished and I wasn't made to feel that way. And I hope in the future that like when he meet someone else that he finds someone that he's willing to do that for because clearly I was not that person um and like in the past he's listened to my podcast so there's a chance that he might listen to this one um but what I have also noticed is that a lot of the interest that he showed in my stuff and what I was doing like especially with like listening to the podcast episodes he would listen to like all of my new podcasts and my old ones like when we first got together and then it slowly like sizzled off and he stopped so um hopefully he won't listen to this one but if he does hello dude um i've told you all this stuff to your face so it shouldn't be a surprise that i am saying this here i'm merely sharing my feelings um and i don't think that you're a bad person but i don't think that you're being fully honest with yourself about how you treated me and how it came across because i firmly believe that if you were watching someone else do it to me you'd have a different perspective um, the, and that, that's also one of the things that bothered me the most. But anyways, the gist of it is that throughout that relationship, it just felt like very emotionally toxic and like emotionally abusive. But like, again, this isn't to label someone as a wholly bad person. Cause a lot of the, um, dynamics that we learn in relationships are taught to us through childhood by like our parents modeling their own relationships to us. And unless we really put the work in to address that and work on ourselves and address the trauma and address the problems with our attachment style, it's very easy to fall into. So I, I do not believe that in this case that he knew what he was doing was as harmful as it was. And I don't think it was done with like malicious intent at all. And I'd say that like for a lot of people who end up engaging in behaviors that are toxic, um, they don't necessarily go about doing it on purpose. And I think that's an important takeaway here is that like everyone has it in them to be toxic and or emotionally abusive. Everyone has it in them to be hurtful. And the fact that they do it doesn't mean that it's with malicious intent, with the deliberate intent to cause harm. It can just be something that happens due to them either projecting or being unwilling to accept accountability for their own behavior or having unhealed, unresolved trauma or not knowing how to regulate their own emotions. Like there's a lot of reasons for it. And like most of the most difficult to deal with people that you meet are broken inside. Like they they have their own problems. It's not coming from a place where they're just out for blood to be mean. And I think that's an important takeaway because it's kind of the same thing that I've talked about with horses, like an aggressive horse who's trying to bite people and fight them isn't just doing it to be mean. Like that behavior is coming from somewhere. It's an outlet for something under the surface. It's not just malicious intent and just being like a bad, terrible person that is like unfixable. And it's like the same with people. Like 
all of the bad parts of us come from some other underlying um, motivation. And like, it's within our ability to kind of address and heal those parts of us, but we have to want to. And like, what I've learned through this situation is that you cannot make someone be willing to heal and like put the time in to address their own problematic behaviors unless they're willing to. And even though like, he might not agree with me on this. Like, I think I have put a lot of self-work into improving myself and working on like my traumas and my problems and like going to therapy and learning more about my triggers and like why I might behave a certain way. And like, I have noticed changes in myself and like how I deal with things both with people and with horses for the better over the years. So like, I do know that I have made changes to myself and it's not to say that I'm perfect and that I no longer need to make changes because clearly I do. I need to be way better at setting boundaries because then I won't get taken advantage of as easily and it'll be a lot easier for me to not get resentful if I set clear boundaries and actually enforce them. But like I do try to work on myself and I do try to hold myself accountable and I don't think that I'm so deluded and delusional that I would be the one causing all the problems in the relationship without any capacity to reflect on how I might do that. And I tried so hard to like mediate and deal with things in a way to not cause problems because I didn't want to go through that. Like it was so much wear and tear on me emotionally. Like I cannot stress that enough. The amount of times that I sobbed and cried myself to sleep or woke up crying in the mornings and I was just so hurt. Like I cried so much in this relationship. I haven't had any other relationship where I've been that sad so many different times. And it was wearing on me and it really impacted my self-esteem. And it wasn't a good thing. Like it started to impact my behavior outside of other things. Like I didn't really want to do as much stuff. I didn't have as much motivation to want to do stuff with my horses. Like even with the Mustangs, like a lot of their training was slowed down by the fact that like some days I was too depressed to go out and go do things with them. And same thing with my own horses. Like I could have had them in more work technically, but like I just couldn't bring myself to actually organize and go do that. And same thing with like the editing YouTube videos. Like the reason why the Mustang vlogs just like went to an abrupt halt um, in like January is because that was one of the worst times of struggle for me in this past year. Like I, I just could not edit I couldn't edit and put the clips together. I couldn't do it. And then even when I went to go see them, like I just didn't have it in me to set my camera up a lot of the time. And it was because I was so depressed and like, I, I didn't really know how to address it. And I also like, like, I don't know, there was moments where like my intuition was like, this is not good. You should do something about it. But I just like so badly wanted it to be what I initially thought it was that I kept putting faith into something that hadn't earned that level of faith. And I wish that I'd had the strength to kind of walk away earlier because it would have been healthier for me, even if like that initial period of breaking things off is really, really hard. Um, but yeah, it, it really damaged my mental health and my self-esteem. And like, that's kind of why like my platform has changed a little bit over like the last year ish where I've like been posting a lot less frequently and why I've favored like shorter clips like TikTok and a lot of talking videos where I'm not like out filming the horses because it requires less effort. Like it wasn't as mentally taxing for me. And I just had such a lack of energy. And honestly, like even my tone online, like and whether I realized it or not while I was doing it, I was probably sharper and a little bit more sensitive and um, reactionary um, when I was feeling really sad and upset and hurt by other things because I was looking for outlets and I was looking for distractions from how I felt. And then 
if something happened that triggered me again when I was already basically like a um, open wound emotionally, it was a lot easier to get triggered and react to stuff because I wasn't feeling myself. I wasn't feeling good. Um, and it was just really stressful. <laughs> and I had all these other things on the go. Like there's still some stuff that I have on the go that I can't share yet, but I'm hoping I can really share with you all soon because I've been dying to do it. There's stuff that I've been working on for over a year that I really want to be able to share, but I have to wait until I get a patent going for that. And then once the patent is there, um, then I can share it with you all. Uh, but I can't, I can't wait for that, but there's just been so many things on the go. Like my life has seen so many huge changes over the last like three, four, five years that it's honestly like really hard to kind of, I guess, take it all in and like really like assess how much has happened because there's been so much trauma, like not even just relationship trauma, like family trauma. And like, I talked about more of this, like in my book and stuff too, about like with the addictions problems in my family and like some of the stuff that I witnessed that was really, really difficult with like my brother's heroin addiction and stuff. So if you're interested in reading that, you can check out my book on my website. Um, cause I don't really want to go into detail on it here. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I couldn't even include in the book and that I don't want to talk about yet now because, like, there's some things that, while they were deeply impactful to me, they were more so someone else's story. Like, even though they caused me a lot of pain, it was less so of my story than what I'm sharing with you here where it's, like, it, it's something that I'm very directly involved in and I feel I have more the right to share. But when it's, like, other people's trauma that I just get, um, I guess, the shrapnel of, I'm not as comfortable sharing it until I know that they're okay with it. But there's just been, there's been a lot of stuff. Like, um, there's been a lot, like, <laughs> like, a, it's just, it's been hard and there's stuff that I just can't share. And like, so like realistically, no one other than people really close on my inner circle has like any idea, like the degree of problems that have, that we've gone through and that like my family has had to deal with or like the degree of trauma that's there. And like, for a while growing up, like, before I started therapy and talking to different people, like, I thought that, like, maybe what we'd gone through is, like, normal and, like, everyone has their things and that, like, maybe other people were dealing with this too and just not talking about it. But the more people I talk about, the more I realize that, like, a lot of people haven't dealt with the level of trauma that I have. Um, and so I'm realizing that, like, I have been through a lot. Like, it's not something I can, like, just shrug off and, like, ignore as a problem anymore. Like, there's been a lot of really traumatic things that have happened in my life that have damaged my mental health and created like lasting anxieties. Like I have OCD and I have ADHD and I have a lot of anxiety surrounding like the unknown and not being able to plan things. And I have a really bad tendency to want to control everything because of this and to try to control the outcome of things to the point where it leads me to making bad decisions, like staying in an unhealthy relationship because the act of like staying is more easier for me to control than going and leaving and having to go into the unknown. Um, and the reason that is, is because I've had things that have blindsided me a lot. Like when I was really young, I woke up one day and my dad had had a massive stroke. And from that day on, the dad that I knew before that day had effectively died. Like my dad survived the stroke, but following the stroke after that traumatic brain injury, he was a completely different person than he was before that. And that was just something that happened in the snap of a figure without warning. My life just completely changed when I woke up one day. And now, naturally, I fear that level of change. Like, I'll, I can spiral into, like, immense anxiety thinking about all of the bad things that can happen to people that I love, animals that I love, and just completely mess up my life. And I used to spend way more time thinking about it to the point where it really significantly impacted 
my mental health and I'm getting better and better at trying to catch myself from spiraling and not do it as much. But it's something that I really struggle with because I've had reason to be on hyper alert and I've been living in survival mode for so many years that trying to come out of that is really difficult and I've been like really exhausted. I've been super burnt out and I think I'm finally starting to come out on the other side of burnout where I'm starting to have more energy, more motivation and more enjoyment of life and what I'm doing. But honestly, for a while, like even doing stuff that I knew in theory I should enjoy, it felt like a chore and I was just always so tired. Like I, I could just sit in bed and just like be scrolling on my phone for all hours of the day and not get up like if I didn't have stuff to like actually force me to get up and go do things that's probably what I would have wanted to do um because I just was so exhausted and burnt out and there's so many layers to that burnt out burnout that I've been having to like slowly unravel and unpack um and it's been so deeply impactful to me um but yeah, I'm finally on the other side where I feel like I'm starting to feel better. I have more energy. I feel healthier. Um, I'm starting to have more interest in doing things, um, for myself and like more excitement for the future and less desire to try to control everything. That's still something that's really hard for me to do, but I'm starting to try to learn to let go and like give in, um, to the universe and just let things, um, unravel as they may. Um, getting into like, uh, spirituality stuff and like tarot card readings and stuff like that has been really cool because it's kind of helped me have a little bit more comfort with the unknown. Um, speaking of tarot card readings, this is a random aside, but I did one last year around, um, I think like January or February and it was like a like an exceptionally accurate tarot card reading. Like at the time I did not think it was. Um, but the person told me that I would be moving that year and I wasn't planning on moving. There was no plan to move. And I was like, no, we're not like, I was like, we are not planning to move. And I didn't want to because it would uproot my business and my life. So it's like, no way. And she's like, yeah, I, you're going to be moving. I see in like August or September and it'll be a yellow house. And then guess what? I moved in August or September into a yellow house. And, like, yellow is a bold claim to make for a house because there are very few yellow houses. And, like, when she told me that, I was trying to think of yellow houses locally. And I was like, I literally can't even think of one. Like, where the hell are we supposed to be moving? Um, and it ended up being right. And that kind of gave me, a, like, like, I already had interest in spirituality and, like, kind of the unknown and just, like... Um, then like the the synchronicity in um in the world and whatnot and that kind of was like okay whoa and then I bought my own tarot card deck and I started doing t my own tarot card readings which I stopped doing for a while because my ex thought it was stupid um but also every time I pulled tarot card readings pertaining to our relationship I always pulled cards that like I didn't want to see because I wasn't ready to leave the relationship and all of the cards were like yeah like you're in a th this is not a good situation like get out type of deal like you're not being loved the way you need to like I, I kept pulling like ba bad cards in terms of like the context that I was asking for information in they were bad cards um 
And I didn't like it. So I stopped doing readings for a little bit because I was like, wow, I'm being called out right now by the universe. And I didn't want to believe what it was saying. And I should have listened because it was so like consistent in the pattern that it's like, yeah, like flukes happen. And like, um, I guess like you can have things that are just coincidental. But with the amount of times it happened and like the amount of cards I would try to pull to get a different answer, um, it was, it was comical. And now looking back on it, I'm like, wow, um, but yeah, so I guess in sharing that, like, I just want to encourage people to not stay in situations that are making you like unhappy and to try to notice the signs that your body is telling you, because if you're like really exhausted, you're struggling, you start to lose the desire to do things that you usually like and that you're apathetic and you just struggle to feel comfortable or like even with people that you are with, like hanging out with them, you feel either anxious before, during or after or all of the above listen to what your body is telling you because like I had feelings of discomfort for a while there and like I couldn't really pinpoint why they were and I honestly didn't really want to like even if deep down I knew where they were coming from I wasn't ready to come to terms with like what they were um and if I'd listened a little closer I would have been able to help myself easier without doing as much damage to myself mentally and I wish that I had, um, cause it's like the same thing. Like both times I've been like unhappy in relationships, my acne and my skin has gotten like really, really bad. Um, and like when I've gotten out of those situations, I stop getting acne and like, yeah, like acne happens. It's a cyclical thing, you know, but the timing of both of those things and like the degree of like stress that I was under, um, I, I attribute to why I had such bad breakouts because of like the timing. Like I can look back and I can see like on all of my photos, like when my skin got the worst, it was during some of the most intense moments of stress in like relationships or like uncertainty or anxiety or like just me having like doubts, be it like self doubt or, um, relationship doubt. And, um, it kind of coincided with that. So like my body was trying to tell me something that like I knew inwardly that my brain wasn't really ready to admit to. And I'm going to try to learn from this and not do that again and just try to listen to my intuition better and not make the same mistakes and set boundaries better and be like way more careful who I choose to let into my inner circle and try to get to know people really well to make sure that like our views align. Like I'm going to write down like actual questions to ask people within like the first few dates when I'm ready to get back out there um, just to try to weed out people and like honestly ask questions before I even agree to go on a date because there's certain things that are such deal breakers that there's not even a point in going out with people um so that that's kind of the plan to try to protect myself in the long run is just to trust my intuition and gut feeling a little bit more and know what questions to ask and instead of trying to take people at their word and like their promises like take them at their actions and like what they actually show you um because it's easy to say what people want you to say. It's easy to say what people want to hear. It's the actions to follow that mean the most. And like, in order for me to have felt like my feelings mattered in this situation, I would have needed to see the action. Like there would have to be proof that they matter enough to like make changes and not continue to see me get hurt. And like, my hope is that like, if someone loves me enough that them seeing me hurt will cause them enough pain that they won't want to keep replicating it and that we'll find better ways to communicate with one another because you can't avoid hurting people all the time but you can avoid causing high degrees of like grief um repeatedly and like my hope is to finally settle down with someone who values me as a person enough to like 
appreciate like my quirks and like my interests and like love me for who I am, appreciate my sensitivity and like my emotionality um, and love me for that. And also be like emotionally sensitive enough to be on like the same wavelength as me and um, I guess honor that perspective rather than viewing it like as a threat or viewing it as uncomfortable or viewing it as too much because like I don't think it's a bad thing to be emotionally sensitive. I don't think it's a bad thing to be highly empathetic and care about other people. I think it's actually a strength, even though it definitely does cause me more pain to be that way. But I think it's a strength that has, like, served me well because it's, like, the reason behind, like, my welfare advocacy for horses and, like, my social justice advocacy and for believing that in a world that there's so much hurt and brokenness in that there is potential for it to get better and change and that we can do better. Like, if I wasn't empathetic and sensitive, like, I would probably just give in to the apathy of it all and just shrug it off and go, oh, this is the way people are. There's nothing we can do about it. Like, we can't change anything. This is just the way things are. And then I wouldn't have hope for, like, a better world in the same way. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. Like, I need to find the right person who, one, doesn't want to live in the city and would, like, want to live on a farm and is ready to kind of be with someone with my level of passion and drive and commitment to like what I do because like I get that like my job for me is like a passion it's not a job in the same way that a lot of people's jobs are where it's like they go to work and then when they come home they want to do anything but their job like they're interested in other things their job is literally just to put money on the table it's not like a passion whereas mine is so like I would need to find someone who can understand that and um, respect that and also like be passionate about it as well in some ways, even if they don't understand, like, my full commitment that they view my passion for that as, like, a good thing rather than a threat. Um, the other thing that I found, too, with, like, men in particular is the fact that I, like, run my own business. A lot of people find threatening and they don't like it. Um, and, like, I don't want to be in a position where there's, like, animosity or jealousy being projected onto me indirectly because of someone having discomfort with the fact that like I can make my own hours to a certain extent and that like I work for myself because like I think that in some cases with people that I've either been friends with or dated that there's been some like indirect jealousy about that and like I get it to an extent because like I wouldn't personally want to work like a nine to five in an office or like be like commuting downtown and stuff through the city and sitting in traffic. And I understand that's a lot of people's reality and that they might feel stuck in that reality and that they might not have other choices and that it might be not something that they enjoy doing. And I totally get that. And that's completely valid, but it doesn't give them license to treat me more poorly just because I might be in a position that they perhaps wish they were in. Um, or that they view as, like, easier, because it's all relative. Like, a lot of people wouldn't want to take on the work of having to run their own business, because there's a lot more moving parts than what you realize until you get into it. I thought that this job was going to be way easier than it was until I started training horses publicly and doing all that stuff, and then it ended up being way more difficult than it was. So that's my hope. And then, like, the other thing that's been a big change for me, too, is that, like, 
over this past year, I've stopped taking on like public clients as much. And then there's like some people that I'll train for like on a lower scale for like, um, not, not generally like, like I don't really want to do full training clients anymore because like even when I found good clients who would be like, yeah, like my horse's welfare really matters. We want you to just keep them happy and like do what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. Like there's always a limit for everyone. And like when they feel like you are wanting to move too slow or if there's too many like lameness concerns about their horses or too many health concerns, then they start to develop a lack of trust in you because they're like, wait, there's just like, there's so many factors to this, but it's like, yeah, when you have like traumatized horses or horses who are like obese or horses who have hoof problems or horses who have soundness problems, it can take a lot of time to rehab those. Like I've been rehabbing Milo, um, like for three years, it can take a lot of time. It's not an instantaneous snap your fingers type deal. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for, even when they don't think that it is. And that ran me into a lot of frustration with clients because I felt like I was in a position where I had to sell out and do things that I knew were not best for the horse in order to continue make, making money and getting paid. Or I had to make myself really uncomfortable by standing my ground and either potentially losing a client having a really uncomfortable discussion and then having them allow me to keep training or then eventually replace me if it made them too uncomfortable um, or firing the client if they're not willing to do what I want. Like, which all, all of which are uncomfortable scenarios and I didn't really like it because like when there's full training, like people are expecting you to produce a certain result within a time frame that they make in their heads. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be realistic or anything in line with what you've quoted to them. Whereas like when you're teaching clinics or webinars, people are going to you on that particular day to take information that they'll go and take with them. They'll take what they like, leave what they don't and go use it to improve their handling of their horses. They're not expecting instantaneous long-term lasting results in the same way. And that's kind of something I've been having to move away from too, because dealing with clients caused me a lot of stress and it was really impacting my mental health as well. Because for example, something as simple as saying like, Hey, your saddle doesn't fit. I think we should get it refitted would be a problem for some people. And like, I understand things are expensive. That works expensive. Like saddle fitting can be expensive. Getting a new saddle can be expensive. Um, but in a lot of cases, I don't think it was financially motivated for people to not want to do those things because a lot of the clients I've had have had the ability to pay for it, um, especially because like a saddle fit evaluation is like 120 bucks. And if you already have a saddle that you can reflock and adjust, you're probably not going to need to buy a new one. But it still caused problems. And then that was highly frustrating to me because then I have to one, worry about my income and my revenue and whether or not I'll be able to make ends meet if I lose this client or two, like do something that I know is wrong and continue to ride a horse in a saddle that doesn't fit properly for extended periods of time while upping their workload and asking them to do more. Um, or riding a horse faster and like longer and pushing them harder than I think that they should be or riding a horse that I know isn't sound enough to do the work that the owner's asking of. Even as I have like stated that to them, if they don't want to believe me, I can't force them to. And it puts me in a position where I either have to stand my ground and lose the job or do something that I do not feel comfortable with whatsoever. And honestly, in the past as a trainer, especially when I had less clients, less reach and less other revenue streams, I was in positions where I had to do things that I I knew were not in the best interest of the horse, but I knew that if I left, they were just going to replace me with someone else who would probably care a lot less and do even more damage. So I would tough it out to some extent and like try to say my piece, try to improve things where I would, where I could and do harm reduction. But I was put in a situation where I felt trapped and where I was around horses who were unhappy and not doing that great. Um, and I just had to exist with it. Like, for example, working at the racetrack in town was really hard for me when I was there a couple of years ago because 
seeing horses that are that stressed being stable all the time, it took a lot of mental wear on me. Like, I feel like, like, and people can call me full of shit for this, but when I'm around highly stressed animals, like, I feel like I literally take on some of that stress, like a sponge, and I feel it, and it bothers me, and, like, I, like, it, it's really uncomfortable, and I... I, like, I can't handle it as well, and and then I take that stress home with me, so it's been this whole thing, so this next year, and, like, I guess throughout 2023 is, I think, going to just be a transitional year for me as I continue to, like, find who I am, what I want to do, who I want to be, and, like, where my priorities are business-wise and kind of the direction that I want to go with that, and what I'm leaning towards currently is doing, like, clinics and doing more traveling for clinics and helping out people in different areas that might not have access to the trainers with the same education and views as me and starting to get, like, work permits and visas so I can go to different countries to do that that's kind of what I'm going to be moving towards in the future to do because I think that's how I can make the most difference and give people tools that they can use for the future to continue improving their own horsemanship without it having as much mental wear and tear on me or physical wear and tear on me and then I don't have to take home as much baggage from my clients so that that's kind of my goal for the next year and like the thing that's been really stressful and putting me off from that is like doing all the work permits and stuff to work outside of Canada because I have a lot of people in the states that would like me to come over there but it's been really confusing me to figure out the legalities behind like working in the states and like what visa and permit I need to apply for Um, so if anyone knows and wants to help me with that I would be so down and I would pay you if you know what you're talking about when it comes to like um, work travel visas and whatnot um, cause I really would like to get that down and I would ideally want to, um, like get a visa that's not just specific to one person. Cause if I was going to do like a clinic tour in the U S I would want to go to several different people. And like the one, the applications I've been looking at are like, it, it's like you get one sponsor to sign you off and it, it's very confusing. I have a feeling they make it intentionally confusing to try to discourage people from doing it. But that's what's been putting me off. But that's like really the goal that I want to move towards. Like it would even be really cool if I could get a few visas or permits set up in time for when I travel to Paris, France, because then I could go around Europe and I could do a couple of clinics there. Um, but there's so many little countries and different places to go that I need to apply for a lot of different permits. But anyways, I'm planning on heading out that way in September. So if you are in Europe and you would be interested in having me out for a clinic, now is the time to contact me if you want to have time for me to apply for a work permit to potentially come out your way. And I'm willing to visit for a lot longer if I can get work to help pay for the trip. Um, and can get a permit in time. So that's also something that I'm open to as well. But anyways, that's kind of the gist of my life, what I've been going through and my mental health. Um, I'm starting to do better now, but I was really having a hard time. I was not feeling good. I was really, really depressed. And this whole situation was wearing really hard on me and having to deal with like the emotional trauma and like the, the fatigue that comes with that along with like having to do all of the things that I need to do um, to like keep these campaigns running and to like keep my business running and to take care of my horses and to train my horses and make like feel like I'm making progress it's been a lot like especially the Mustangs it's like I want to make progress with them and then I I feel guilty and I beat myself up on days where I've been too depressed to go out there and I've needed to get my mom to go check on them instead because I've just been I can't I can't do it and then I feel guilty because I'm like oh I'm missing another day like all these days add up because it's been like several days over the course of a while where I just have had this happen and then I'm like I'm damaging my ability to bring them along as well and then I beat myself up over that and I feel really crappy and then it takes away the restfulness that 
taking that day away from them would even have because I'm now beating myself up for not going. Um, and that's been hard, but I'm trying to let go of that and stop trying to set timelines due to like feeling pressured by like outside viewers and like people online who think that my training isn't doing anything or that I just don't do anything with my horses and that they're not moving fast enough. I'm trying not to let that pressure me, but it's hard because I really do want to show people that it works. And like, I feel something to prove sometimes, even though like, I know it works. Like I, I know it works, but I want other people, the people who need to see it, to see it and believe it. And then that's kind of damaged my self-esteem or made me feel guilty when I need to take time for myself rather than focusing on stuff that is like about producing content and come portraying myself in a way that's more favorable to people online and like building my business. Um, but yeah, it's stressful. So I guess like the gist of this podcast is to just remember that like influencers are people too. And I know that sounds really like silly and like cliche, but like every person online, like even influencers that you hate and that you find so annoying, because there's people that I don't like online that they're not my cup of tea. So I just like don't watch them. But all of them have their own stuff going on. Like, even if they're doing objectively bad things, there's probably an underlying cause for that. And it doesn't justify the action at all, but it provides an explanation for their behavior. Um, and everyone is subject to change. Like, people can change. They don't always stay the same. Even people who've made really big mistakes can change for the better and become completely different people. And this is the attitude I try to hold on to because if we view people as like staying as bad as they always were, it's really disheartening. It's a really sad world to live in. And then it causes us to hold on to a lot more hatred and contempt. Anyone can change. And like, that's the thing is like, wait for them to show you that they've changed. Don't just hold on to the fact that you think that they are capable of changing and stick around in a situation where you're being mistreated but be open to the fact that people can change and become a different person from like who you knew them as. And it doesn't matter if you don't feel the need to reconnect with them and that you don't want to, like that's perfectly valid and warranted. If you have no interest in reconnecting with someone, even if they have become better because you've had a bad experience with them. But keep in mind that like holding someone to your last interaction with them forevermore, that requires a lot of mental energy to hold on to that amount of anger and just assume that someone is the same person that you last interacted with for like years and years to come. So let go of it. Be open to the possibility that they've become a better person. And honestly, like even if we don't like people, if they become a better person and they're no longer harming as many people and that they've fixed things that have caused harm and done things, that's a good thing. You don't have to like them to recognize the fact that that's harm reduction and they're making decisions that are less likely to cause harm in the future. And we should all welcome that. Like, positive change and personal growth is a good thing, and we should be happy to see that. It's really, like, I know the world views a lot of things in black and white, and if, like, someone does something bad, they're viewed as, like, a terrible, irredeemable bad person. And we live in a very punishing world. But we can all change. Like, I'm not the same person that I was two years ago. I'm not the same person that I was in my early 20s. I'm not the same person that I was in my teens. And I'm sure a lot of people that I've interacted with over the years who remember me from those times and don't like me hold me to being that same person. But the fact of the matter is, I am not the same person. And I hope other people adopt that feeling. Like, someone in your past viewing you as the villain doesn't mean that you still are the villain in this current life. You may have been the villain in their story back then, but that doesn't mean you're carrying over that villain-esque personality to everyone new that you meet with your life. Um, there's potential for change. We can all change. Doing bad things doesn't mean you're forever just going to be 
an irredeemable bad person. It means that there's things that you need to reflect and improve on and take accountability for and self-reflect, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person forever. Like, you're fixable. You can be a bad person in certain moments, certain settings, for certain timelines, but, like, you can change that. We can all change that. We can all better ourselves and no longer do those things and just constantly work on ourselves. And honestly, even people who are, like, traditionally good people. They all have their moments of toxicity. No one's perfect. And I wish that people were more open about these types of things because then there would be a whole lot less shame involved with um, holding on to certain views and like feeling certain ways or doing bad things or doing wrongs. There'd be less shame and people could actually own what they've done without feeling like it's going to forever label them as a bad person. Um, and I think it would be easier for people to accept accountability then if they didn't feel like it's going to permanently alter the way people view them as a person. Um, but yeah, so keep in mind, like if you ever have someone like snap at you online or overreact to a comment, doesn't justify the response, but try to keep in mind that like outside of social media, people have shit going on. Like in my book, I mentioned this and the reason why I want to bring it up once in this podcast is just for like reflective purposes. There was a time when I was like 18, like 17 or 18, and I got home and there's a fire truck outside of my house and I went running up the stairs because the fire fighters were like down the street from our house. So like for first responders, they would get there first. And I knew that my brother was an opiate addict and overdose was something that we constantly worried about. So I ran up the stairs and I saw them resuscitating my brother on the floor and I thought he was dead. Um, and like, I can still remember the, like, it's like someone freaking pulling your legs out from under you and like just collapsing into the ground because I thought he was dead. And so that happened. He went to the hospital and then like after that, I logged onto Tumblr and I just had like hate in my inbox and guaranteed I would have reacted really poorly to that, um, because of what had happened to me. I was way, way more triggered and reactive because I had just witnessed what I had thought was my brother dying. And so try to navigate yourself online with that mindset. And it also applies to influencers when people are being dicks to you, which can be really hard because sometimes you're having people say mean things like all day and like harassing you. And like, it can be really hard to not be sniffy. And it's something that I have to work on too, because I can get snarky when people are being annoying, especially if I have the same accounts that are coming and trying to harass me. Um, but they could be going through stuff like that too. So just try to have some grace and try to like temper that reaction. Again, we're not all perfect and we all make mistakes and we can all be snarky, pissy, toxic, angry, whatever. But try to look at it through that lens that like someone could be having their worst day ever. And the fact that we're not aware of that doesn't mean that we cannot make a difference with how we choose to behave. And that's kind of the way I'm trying to move forward and step forward in life is to try to be less bothered about the way people behave, even if it's hurtful to me, and recognize the fact that their behavior is largely coming from within and like how they feel about themselves or stuff that they're dealing with in their life outside of everything else. And to try not to take it so personally, because I have a tendency to take things highly personally and to try to want to reason with people and like help them and like help them see like the way I see things. And some people you just can't do that with. They're not in a state of mind where they're going to take it in and they're not in a state of mind where they're a healthy person to interact with. And in those cases, sometimes the best thing you can do is just like delete their comment or block them or go off of their page or unfollow them or do whatever and just like distance yourself because you cannot reason with them. I tried reasoning with someone that I love for almost two years 
again and again and again thinking that I could do it and it didn't work. So like you can only meet people where they're willing to meet you. And if they're not willing to meet you where you want to be, you can't do anything about it. And that's what I'm trying to adopt is I cannot control other people's behavior. All I can do is control my own behavior, what I stand for, what I believe in and what I want to put out in the world. And that's going to be the mantra that I'm trying to grasp and hold on to in these coming few months as like I heal myself and move forward into things that I'm excited about and um, that are offering new opportunities for me. But yeah, so I just wanted to get that off my chest. Thank you for everyone who listened to this. I know this wasn't a super horsey podcast, but I hope that it gave people some insights on life and um, things. So I, I I appreciate everyone who listens to these things and who supports my business in any capacity because without you, I wouldn't have been able to build what I have. So thank you. And um, don't forget to check the links down below in the description for like my shop page, the Alliance organization page, the petition, etc. Um, all of that will be in the description of the podcast. And I would so appreciate it if you check out all those links, if you want to share them, um, share the podcast, tell me how you feel about it. I always love to hear. Um, thank you so much, everyone. And yeah, just as a last aside, like I've also been really, really slow on catching up with like DMs and like messaging people and replying to comments and stuff. Just because I've been so overwhelmed with stuff. It's not that I don't care or that I don't see people's comments because I do. But sometimes when I'm in a state of mind where I am barely able to get by doing the stuff that I need to do for myself, I just can't manage doing that at the same time. Um, so it's nothing personal. But anyways, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope that you are all going throughout life um, with the greatest of ease and hopefully not too much sadness. And if you are sad right now, just know that it is temporary. Don't let people deplete your energy when they don't deserve to be in your life. Um, that's something that I'm still learning too. I know it's easier said than done, but best of luck to everyone and just try to make sure that the people who you give access to your vibrancy deserve to be there. Um, so have a good day, everyone, and take care of yourselves.